Thank you, Andrew. I hope that y'all have enjoyed hearing from some of your fellow church members during this Lenten season. So we have been journeying with Jesus towards the cross, and we have seen that this involves cleansing, this involves watchfulness, this involves surrender, this involves blessing, and then today it involves shouting. Some of you might have been waiting for a day when you could shout in church. I wonder, as you go throughout your normal life, what makes you shout? Are you one of those that shouts when you're really excited, or are you one of those that shouts when you're really frustrated? Um, I wonder if any of you have been that parent that when the umpire makes a bad call, you feel like shouting. And I have to tell you that my oldest son's Logan's baseball coach is a member of this church, so I hope he doesn't tell on me um, about the shouting that I do at those games. Um, or are you one of those that might shout at the TV when someone, your, your team is playing and the football game doesn't go the way you want? I remember so clearly as a child, my dad shouting at the top of his lungs, Dad, gum it, to where we were all scared. And you see, my dad played football for Vanderbilt, and so there was a lot of dad gummits that went on. <laughs> and then um, I asked Charlie, I'm like, what do, what do guys shout about? And he's like, oh, in traffic, but you can't say what we shout. It's not appropriate for church. And I said, oh, what else makes you shout? And he's like, you know what makes me shout more than anything? It's stepping on those blankety-blank Legos. It is, it is seriously like a weapon against adults, the Legos are. Well, about 2,000 years ago, in a city outside Jerusalem, a crowd gathered and they began to shout. So listen now as we hear the word of our Lord. When they, the disciples and Jesus, were approaching Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples ahead and said to them, go into the valley ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt or a donkey that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, oh, the Lord needs it, and it will be back here immediately. They went away, and they found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. Then those who went ahead and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. So before this past week, I kind of had a certain picture of what Palm Sunday looked like. I want you to picture like the donkey in Shrek. And it was this very, uh, very, you know, like color-coded picture. If you'll put that up for me, Landon. It kind of looks like this. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode a donkey through Jerusalem. People waved palm branches. And it just looked just perfect. Uh, I, I always pictured a crowd of folks that received this word, 
that, that Jesus was going to be coming. And this hero, healer and miracle worker, and he was fixing to come through town. So they run to the street, and, and they're, they're so excited. They're, they're grabbing branches. And those that don't have branches, they take off their, their coats. And they're, we want to be involved in this big parade And then they see Jesus coming and they start to rejoice. And they start to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And I pictured this crowd and they're delightful and they're happy. I mean, we're beginning the celebration. Easter is just one week away. Let's rejoice. Let's praise. But this week, I I just got so caught. I, I realized I have so quickly skipped over Hosanna to that word that our culture loves for the past five years blessed. Hashtag blessed. We love it. But the Spirit would not let me go there. The Spirit would not. I could not get past the word Hosanna. I mean, we only say it on Palm Sunday. And we have this beautiful banner. What is, what is the deal with this Hosanna in the highest? So the phrase that the people are shouting when they shout that specific wording there from the book of Mark, it actually is them shouting from a psalm. It's shouting from Psalm 118, and y'all know this psalm because it has a lot of lines that we use in church a lot. It's, it's the psalm that says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And you know this one too. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. And be. Those are Psalm 118. But then tucked in the middle of this psalm, is this, listen to this, save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has given us light. Bind the festal procession with branches up to the horns of the altar. You see, in this passage in Mark that we have, the crowd is acting out the psalm that so many of them would have been saying over and over and over through the years. They are binding the procession with branches and they are shouting the psalm, Hosanna, save us, we beg you, O God. You see, Hosanna in its original form does not mean we praise you, O God. We love you, oh God. Hosanna means save us, oh God. Our Savior, our Savior, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Save us. You see, and then my word picture from childhood began to change. It wasn't just a crowd of people with smiling faces. It was peasants. The scripture tells us that they came from the fields The working class, the ones that were in the fields and the olive orchards, it was the ones raising the livestock. It was the mamas that were raising the children. The ones who in some way, they had received a word that there was this man that was doing amazing things. He was was giving sight to the blind. Paralyzed people were walking. Bleeding women were healed. A man who welcomed children and said, this is, this is who the kingdom of God belongs to? A man who was changing the rules completely, talking to women in public, turning over tables and questioning the, the leaders, touching unclean people, having meals with rejected people. 
I assume it must have been the bystanders. I love that Mark includes that word, the bystanders. They must have been the ones to got the, that got the word out. Mark mentions that the, the, there's two disciples that head into the city to get the colt. And when they're untying the colt, some bystanders say, why are you untying it? And they say the Lord needs it. Well, I guess they, they must have understood Lord meant someone that has more power than us, someone that has more position, and so they let them take it. They would have assumed that, that it was going to somebody that was esteemed. And so I think that what they did is they went and found the owner of the donkey, and they said, you're not going to believe this, but there's this Lord coming to town, and the Lord needs this donkey. And, and, and then they're thinking, oh my gosh, a Lord a Lord is coming, someone with means, someone with prestige, someone with power. Maybe if we go see this Lord, as he passes by, he'll toss out some bread to us, or he'll toss out some coins, some denarii. So word must have spread, and it spreads to the women, and it spreads to the men that are in the fields, and people are grabbing branches, and they're running, and they're running fast. They are desperate to get as close as possible to this Lord. Those who weren't near a tree... They'd see other people taking off their cloaks and, oh my gosh, we've got to show respect to the Lord. And so they take off their cloaks and then they wait. Some are half naked at this point. They only had one cloak, out of breath, expectant. And then suddenly there's these men coming and in the middle of them is that colt, that donkey that came from so-and-so and, and, and there's cloaks on it and there's this man, he's dressed in simple clothes. Oh, we've seen that man. He's come through here for the past couple of days, back and forth, back and forth. That's the Lord? This doesn't look like the other processions we've seen. They, the other ones, they rode on tall, strong horses, flanked by soldiers wearing armor and carrying swords. This isn't royal. This isn't prestigious. This is so very different. But this person is processing into that city We've heard what this man can do. This man is changing the rules. Maybe, just maybe, he's going to change the rules for us. Maybe all of this bondage that we are in with these taxes we are having to pay to Rome and our current situation, maybe we are going to be saved from that. And then they begin to shout. They're given this glimmer of hope. And in that moment, they begin to shout, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, save us, save us, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We know on this side of resurrection, we know what Jesus saved them from. We know that in that moment on the cross, we were saved from eternal punishment. All of us were given, we were saved from a life without God. You see, the saving though that they wanted, those crowds wanted that day, it wasn't for their salvation from eternity. They wanted their salvation from their present they wanted their current situation, the bondage of their current life. They wanted saving from that. And you know what's the coolest thing for us? Us on the other side is that we know that Jesus came and did both. We know that Jesus did save us from eternal punishment, but he also saved us in the midst of where we are. We are both saved from and for this world. So this text prompts us this morning to ask two questions. Who is shouting Hosanna today? Who is in the crowd today? And second, how do we at this church respond? 
How do we line the streets with those shouting Hosanna and say, save us? Who is shouting save us in this day and time? Just like in the first century, the ones who are shouting are those without power, those without voices, those without privilege, those without access to resources, those without the energy, the knowledge, or the self-worth to live an abundant, peace-filled life. Have we heard them shouting, save us? Who was begging to be saved from their current situation just like those peasants were begging Jesus to save them? Y'all, it's those who are constantly alone, wrestling terribly in their minds and hearts over their sexuality and their gender because they fear no one will accept them if I really tell them what I'm feeling. Those who are living in such awful self-hate as they are bound by their desire for drug or drink or food. Those who are so tired of battling depression and anxiety, they just hope to make it to the end of this day. Those who are caring for family members who no longer know their name. They are shouting, save us, Jesus. Notice what is not present in the story, rejection. Jesus is coming through and there's all these people, some of them half naked, and Jesus doesn't go, oh, y'all, sorry, you actually got it wrong. I'm not gonna be able to save you from Rome. Nope, sorry, you you have the wrong expectations. Um, I have bigger plans for you, so y'all just need to hush it down. No, there's no rejection because see, the saving work of Jesus does impact our current situations. It does. Jesus does not save us out of them, although sometimes, Lord God, I wish that he would. We don't get plucked out because we're Christians. It's not like, oh, guess what? You don't have to deal with suffering. But Jesus says, I will jump into it with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We need to live, we need to line the streets together, y'all arm in arm and shout. And the Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church does this so well. I want you to be so encouraged that I already see that in the short time that I've been here. You welcome all with open arms. You know, we say out loud each week this prayer of confession and don't you sometimes go, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do what that just said. That's the amazing thing about this place. We pray it together. We pray it on behalf of one another. We pray it when someone in here isn't able to pray it for themselves. We line the streets together. And sometimes we even let everybody see what it is that we're dealing with. A couple weeks ago, we had y'all write some things you wanted to cleanse from your hearts. I hope you've looked at this. You know, without this amazing cross on it, it was a little haunting. Because what you saw was, you saw a lot of fear, you saw a lot of anxiety, you saw a lot of struggle with forgiving others. And this reminds us, y'all, Jesus handled it. The, the, the humble king that came in on a, on a donkey, he did save us from it, in the midst of it. One of our church members and staff, Jan Cook, did that beautiful piece of art. I hope you'll come up and check it out. This reminds us that we shout together. We shout together. The church knows full well, all of us come broken, 
And so we are going to welcome the broken. We welcome those who live on the margins, whether because of their sexuality or their race, their income level, or their mental ability. We welcome all, and we shout together, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And so a new word picture has come into my mind this Palm Sunday. I see children reaching to know Jesus better because they have heard about a God who loves them. I see students radically loved by their adult leaders who do not care what kind of grades they're getting and do not care how well they're doing on the ball field or in the concert hall. I see adults laying down their cloaks to serve Jesus. I see the sick in our congregation who are literally carried before Jesus in prayer. This is the new picture. And it makes me want to shout with joy. You know, we don't know in the first century when those crowds were shouting if Hosanna meant save us or rejoice. I think it meant both. I think it meant that some of us in this room, it's a day where we are able to line the streets and we are able to praise God for the works that God has done. But I know it is a true fact that there's so many in here who are saying, no, not for me today. To me, it's save us. We are gonna be together, lining the streets. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.